Yes, it is, and welcome back as we head into our second hour of our daily three-hour tour together, Thursday, January 13th, 2022. It is a delight to welcome back our good friend Jonathan Tobin. Jonathan S. Tobin is a senior contributor to The Federalist, and he is a contributor and columnist to The New York Post, as well as the editor of JNS.org. Jonathan, welcome back. Thanks for joining us. Well, it's great to be with you, Seth. Thanks for having me. And you as well. You wrote the column, I, if I were in your business, wished I could have written. Such a good column in the New York Post. And, of course, it needs to be uh, updated with today's news. But to give the audience mm-hmm. uh, the, uh, the the hat tip, the liberal justices' lies reveal the left's addiction to virus fears. I, I, I just want to read to you your opening um, sentence, if I can, basically to the audience. It's so good. Democrats, big tech, social media companies and the mainstream liberal media have spent two years raging about the spread of coronavirus misinformation, pointing their fingers at conservatives, resisting government efforts to curb the disease's spread via lockdowns, mask requirements and vaccine mandates. Something funny happened on the way to the forum, though, Jonathan, didn't it? It turns out it wasn't us spreading misinformation. It was really them, wasn't it? Yeah, it was uh, kind of an astonishing, um, you know, sort of uh, sidebar to last week's uh, Supreme Court hearing on Biden's federal vaccine mandate, mm-hmm. which, as you just alluded to, um, the decision was handed down today. Yeah. The vaccine mandates uh, for private employers were ruled unconstitutional by a 6-3 uh, majority, um, although they were allowed for um, health care workers in facilities that are getting federal money. Um, so by a 5-4 majority with uh, Justice Roberts and uh, Justice Kavanaugh joining the liberals. But, so that's one thing. But what was really interesting about the hearing were the things that the justices said. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was during the courses where they are going back and forth with the Solicitor General, uh, arguing on behalf of the Biden administration and the, the, uh, the, the people suing against it. And <laughs> they, these justices, uh, Justice Sonia Sotomayor, Justice Elena Kagan, and Justice uh, Stephen Breyer, the three liberals, they said, you know, it's like there used to be a, you know, a long time ago there was a show on TV. It was like kids say the darndest yeah, things. Well, right, right, justices right. say the darndest things. Yeah. yeah. Sonia Sotomayor claimed that COVID deaths are at an all-time high. She yeah. said that the Omicron variant is as deadly as the Delta yeah. one. Yeah, I want people to understand said, that. Don't, don't, don't move too fast from that. Mm-hmm. The Supreme Court justice said the Omicron variant is as deadly as Delta. I just want people to let that sink in. That's who is interpreting our laws and constitution. Go ahead. Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> right. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. And then she went on to say that we have over 100,000 children in serious conditions with COVID, many, many on ventilators. Right. right. Um, you know, children are dying, you know, uh, in droves. Now, as it turns out, of course, uh, Omicron, which produces mild symptoms, I mean, nobody wants to get sick, people should be careful, but deaths aren't at an all-time high. I think, we have a one de- I think we have one dead from Omicron in the United yeah. States. I think it's, one. Yeah, I just, think. Basically, it's no. not killing anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, the... Uh, the children know, number is out- the, outrageous, is, just outrageous. Yes, where, where she says 100,000, now less than 5,000 children are in hospitals 
testing positive for COVID. Right. And as the CDC director uh, later conceded, of those 5,000, most of them are actually not being hospitalized for COVID. Right. They're just pe- kids who are in for any number of ailments. Tonsils, broken arms, hospital, we have to test you. Oh, you also have COVID, son of a gun. Yeah. And then they just put it down. Yeah. Now, of course, the, you know, it, it, it's reasonable that hospitals are testing for sure. COVID to anybody who gets admitted, sure. of course. Sure. But that doesn't mean they're COVID patients. No. But they're counted as COVID patients. But even so, that's a fraction of what she was claiming. Yeah. And then, you know, just to, just to give credit where credit is due, yes, she wasn't the only no. one. You know, those, you know, one. Elena Kagan was speaking as if the vaccines are absolute guarantee that you can't get or spread COVID. Mm-hmm. Breyer said the same things. In fact, Breyer said, just to show where, where this octogenarian's head is at, that there were 750 million cases the day before the hearing. Of course, there really are only 330 million people in this country. Yeah, everyone would have had to have been counted twice and then some, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay, so, as we say in my business, typo, but even so, I mean, these are just falsehoods. They are, as Big Tech likes to say anytime anybody questions Anthony Fauci, misinformation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Clearly wrong. Clear, and not just wrong, but like you haven't been paying attention. And what's, to, to what's the frightening, news. there's so many levels of fright here. For months. Yeah, for months, right, exactly. There's so many levels of fright here, Jonathan. Uh, the first one is that the typo thing. You would think when you say something like that, that the numbers would immediately maybe caution you, maybe give you pause before you utter that. <laughs> a, little, a little high. Yeah, a little high. The second is, is this part and parcel of the problem that too many on the left, I was going to say liberals, let me just say on the left, just don't read anything other than the talking points they're given by the left. Is that possibly what's at play here? Possibly? Well, I think it is. The conclusion I draw from this, not just that, you know, three of the people who are supposed to be among the smartest people in the country, and who's maybe at one time, you know, they once, maybe at one point they were, at least since they got good good marks in school, right? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, they, they almost ideally lost yeah, yeah. Um But the point is, it's not just that some very smart people said some very stupid things and very misinformed things. It was that it seemed to me that it reflected people who live inside the left-wing liberal bubble have been imbibing. Yeah. I mean, basically, it's been co- this, this COVID fear addiction, yeah. the, this doom and gloom, this we're all dying, and everybody's, everybody, you know, we're, we're all crazy, and it was all Trump's fault, and all the other stuff. You know, it's basically been, they've been getting it, like, intravenously yeah. for two years from CNN and MSNBC and the New York Times and Washington Post and all the, you know, the rest of the liberal mainstream media. And it's created, on the one hand, a COVID fear addiction on the, on the part of yep. many Americans, yep. not just those three doters. Yep. On the court, um, but it's, it, people are just you know it's, it's they can't let go of it. I mean, there are pe- there are a lot of people in this country they'll never stop wearing that. We know that doesn't have, doesn't matter what. I mean, twenty years from now, yeah, they'll be in wearing masks. masks. I agree with you because of what has happened in the last two years. They'll be afraid to touch people. People will not be shaking hands. Right, you know all the stuff. They'll be they'll be carrying this out forever. 
So that's one part. But it's also part of this, you know, virtue signaling about how unless you're scared to death about this, and I'm not saying we shouldn't have any concerns about it, obviously. At its worst, you know, the pandemic was terrible. People should take precautions. You know, I think vaccines are sensible because they they reduce, at least they appear to reduce the, you know, the instances of, of severe of illness, the, death, the yeah. of yeah. the disease. Yeah. I, you know, that's good. People who think it's not good for them, I'm not going to judge them. I'm not going to condemn them. I'm not going to blame them for this. But the point is, the vaccines are not a dead set guarantee. We wish they were. I mean, if if they were a guarantee that you couldn't get it. And he couldn't spread it. There would be a much stronger argument for for for, for a vaccine mandate and but much greater usage true. of them, much much greater deployment. In, exactly. You know, uh, yeah. But the yeah. point is, the the people living inside the liberal left bubble have basically absorbed all of this doom and gloom and scare talk and justifications for you know draconian lockdowns and mass mandates and vaccine mandates. To the point where they're ready to believe anything about this and speak about it as if it's absolutely true and treat anybody who points out that, uh, no, you're wrong, it's not nearly that serious in that way, that they're the ones with the misinformation. They're the ignoramuses. Yeah, no, that's right. That's right. That is exactly. There's another concern here. It's probably, I don't know if it's where it rates on the list of concerns, but there is one here, too which is in sharp relief, as many of us have said for years, the left never reads what we say. Uh, we always, A, because we have no choice, also because we're more intellectually curious, we read a lot of what they say. It's It, it, it kind of showed in sharp relief that they paid no attention to the opposing briefs, and that in and of itself is frightening too, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it gave the impression that I know, um, for you know, uh, some, listen, some of the, the, the justices really do write their own opinions. Yeah. The clerks just help them. Yeah. But some of the justices Don't. basically have yeah. the opinions written by the... I mean, some go another way. Yeah. That they're not even reading yeah. the brief. Yeah. I mean, one, you know, it, it reminds me of what we've learned about Kamala Harris from her. Yeah. The, the staffers that quit, you know, her, her staff, where they said that she just won't read any position papers, and she yells at them because she's exposed. Yeah. You know, when she goes out in public and is exposed, yeah. they didn't read the brief. No. They didn't probably even read the brief from the government, nope. from the side that they were supporting. Right, because so, not even yeah, the government was giving these statistics. These yeah, judges. Yeah, but it says something worse about this liberal left bubble and the COVID fear addiction that they are part of, that they are representing here. They're, they're, it's not just about them; it's something much bigger and more dangerous, in my opinion. It's one of those days where I'm really crowded, Jonathan, and you'll forgive me. I usually like to keep you on for a little longer. Can I put a bookmark right on that very point, that bigger thing, and get you next week to talk a little bit more about it with me? And if, if, if you'll allow me, I, appreciate, I would appreciate that so much because that really is the conversation that we need to have as a country. And uh, I'd, love to, I'd love to do it with you if we could. Well, thanks very much. I appreciate Absolutely. it. I'm always happy to come back on with you. You betcha. Let's do it next week, and let's get to those underlying reasons for the addiction. Root causes, as they okay. used to call them. Jonathan Tobin, sir, thank you. Editor-in-chief at JNS, columnist for the New York Post. Check it out. The liberal justices' lies reveal the left's addiction. 
to virus fears. By the way, for all the columns that I've read about Kagan and Sotomayor and Breyer on this argument since Friday, Jonathan's is the one to read. Jonathan, bless you, sir. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot, Seth. Not a chill in the winter, not a nip in the air. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, and welcome, make welcome to our state's attorney general, Mark Burnovich. General, how are you today, sir? I'm doing great, and obviously a little better with the little scarlet begonias there. You Yes, scarlet begonias by Jimmy Buffett, not by the Grateful Dead, for a good reason. If we had gone two for two today, I would have given you the Grateful Dead, but we went one for two today. (laughs) Fair enough? Yes, it's like and not scoring the touchdown. It's still points on the board, but uh, it would have been nice to go all the way. <laughs> General, uh, this is a good day, and it's a good day for the um, case that you have been prosecuting, many of the cases you have been uh, prosecuting against the administration, particularly when it comes to these kinds of mandates. How do you read the first decision? How do you read the second one? Well, obviously, we were very happy with the first decision. Um, I did appreciate the fact that the Supreme Court said that the federal government cannot mandate the COVID vaccine for private businesses. But obviously, we're a little disappointed that they said healthcare workers were not afforded the same rights. Mm-hmm. And so I do think that's disappointing. And I will tell you, and I know that you're a constitutional guy, um, I thought Gorsuch's uh, concurrence that Alito and Thomas Joint was really good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he laid out the fact that obviously the federal government is supposed to be a government of few powers and limited powers. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does worry me a little bit that, you know, you got Roberts and you got Kavanaugh there joining with, with the left of the court. And I think that they've given the federal government too much power in some ways, especially over federal health care workers. Is it too blunt a conclusion to draw from your read of all of this, General, that if you take the government's money, you have to dance to their tune? Is that too blunt of a read or is that kind of the essence of how we read this? I, I think that is where the court clearly was going, okay. and I do think that is that is very problematic. Now, I don't I don't agree with that because you know we saw this, we've seen it in other cases. You know, there's the anti-commandeering principle. Right. We saw this with uh, we've seen in other instances where you know the federal government just because they do provide funding doesn't mean they get to put the gun to the state's head and have the state do the federal government's dirty work. But in this instance, where you have private entities like healthcare entities, doctors getting the money, the federal government is essentially arguing that, you know, yeah, who who pays the piper gets to call the tunes. And I think this is why, and you and I have talked about this before, Seth, this is why it's so dangerous when people always want the federal government to solve every problem. And so whether it's health care, whether it's education, anytime the federal government gets involved, it becomes more efficient, problematic, and then eventually you end up with these mandates. And we're seeing this you know, whether it's critical race theory or in other areas where the federal government provides the funding, local government, state get, states get hooked on it, and then they try to force the state to play by the rules. And not that I'm filibustering here, Seth, literally just today, this afternoon, our office has an, a case at the Ninth Circuit dealing with the COVID relief bill that said if states took COVID relief money, they couldn't cut their state taxes. And mm. we mm. argue that that's unconstitutional good. and it violates the nine tenth amendments and that anti-commandeering principle. Oh, good, good. I'm good yeah. for you for doing that. Stay in touch with us on that. That's an important yeah, one. Yeah, I mean, you know, the local media never covers this stuff. So, yeah, I mean, we're out, we're fighting on multiple fronts. Good. Well, I, yeah, I, I don't consider myself local media. I'm I national media based I locally. <laughs> yeah. no, I, 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 
They still are cold. Yeah. But you know, was it Dickens who said the laws and arse? Um, if you if you think about it, um, if you think about that second case, the health care case, Mark General, um, under Biden, as Phil Kirpin put it, vaccinated health care workers with active COV2 infections can go to work. That's what the hospitals are now saying. But naturally immune, unvaccinated are fired. That's really where we're at here. It's insane, isn't it? it, it there is not only this logical inconsistency, but obviously there's the constitutional inconsistency. And that's why we have multiple cases still being litigated. And the problem with all of this, as you know, is there's way too much political science and not enough medical science. Right. And, you know, I was on, you know, Fox or I was on some show talking about, um, you know, immunity. And I'm not a doctor, not a scientist, you know, so I don't want anyone sending nasty emails and whatever, calling our office or poor receptionist. But but I can read, and I read studies, I read data, and you sit there and you say to yourself, why aren't we talking more even about people that have had COVID, they have a higher immunity, yeah. they have more antibodies, they're, they're more immune than people who get the vaccine. Yeah. So why are we testing people for immunity exactly. instead of mandating vaccines? So, exactly. you know, even if we were going to accept the notion, and I don't, I don't accept the premise, but even if we were going to accept, accept the premise that somehow the government can implement mitigation strategies, well, shouldn't they do something that's the least onerous or the least intrusive into our lives? That used so, to be I mean, the principle, right? Yeah, exactly. Least least intrusive means, absolutely. Well, I, I really appreciate it. It is turning, uh, just last question before I let you go on this yeah. busy day, if I can. Uh, Joe Biden, President Biden, in his uh, pre- press release today said this will now go back to the states. Uh, do you anticipate much state action on either one of these, or do you think it's going to be pretty much settled in Arizona for here on out on this question? You know, I'm, I'm not sure. Okay. I obviously can't predict what the policymakers are going to do. I, we know that last year there was legislation uh, that tried to limit the ability of you know schools yeah. with, with vaccine mandates yeah. and mask mandates. Court struck that down. And, you know, we actually sent a letter to the governor saying that he should call special session or he should promulgate new rules to protect us. And it never happened. So I don't know if there's any sort of political will. I can just say to you, I say to everyone listening, Seth, that I will continue to fight and push back against government overreach at every level. And, you know, if the government tries to shut down our economy again, um, whether it's the federal state authorities, I'm going to fight it because I believe in our fundamental liberties, our fundamental rights. And never, ever forget that any government's big enough to give you everything is big enough to take it all away. And once we cede that authority to any government, whether they're a Republican, Democrat, whoever's running independent, once you cede that authority, you're not going to get it back. And that's why it's important to fight for these principles now before we lose them. General Mark Burnovich, Hamilton, Alexander Hamilton, spoke about energy in the executive. I am glad there is energy in our attorney general in you. Go get them, sir. Well done. And uh, stay close. Bless you, sir. Thank you. Bye. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. I want to put in a word for my friends over at Balance of Nature. I just popped uh, mine. Uh, you get 16 whole fruits and 15, a blend of 15 whole vegetables with one daily dose. Pure, potent plant power. I'm popping my peas like Frank Sinatra deliberately. Balance of Nature is the only whole food supplement with no additives, fillers, extracts, synthetics, pesticides, or added sugar. The only thing in the capsules is pure 
fruits and vegetables. Go to balanceofnature.com. Make sure to enter code, discount code BALANCE for a great deal. Take it every day, and um, I just can't say enough about it. I am delighted uh, to be able to convey it to you. Balanceofnature.com, discount code BALANCE. Ken's in Phoenix. Hello, Ken. Hi, how are you? I'm well. How are you? Pretty good. Uh, am I, I, I know I'm live. Is the Attorney General there, too? No, just me. Okay. Uh, vaccine mandates, if you could ask him about this. Uh, in August 23rd, the FDA approved uh, uh, the Pfizer vaccine as a licensed COVID vaccination. But there was a, a change of hands in that it was actually comorbidity, if I'm pronouncing that right. Are you talking about comorbidity? No. Okay. It's, a, it's a, another product. Okay. The FDA actually only approved comorbidity. They didn't approve the Pfizer vaccine. And all of the vaccines are still only... Can you send me an email on this? I just don't know anything about this this topic, Ken. Would you send me an email? Uh, yeah. Okay, thanks. And I don't know that phrase either. So I, I want to make sure we talk about, we're talking about the right and the same thing. Send me an email. Go to 960thepatriot.com. Uh, dot com. My email is available under my uh, under my uh, page there, and uh, I read all of them. I would I would love to hear about it, uh, whatever the concern is. But I want to make sure we're being precise and we're getting into details that I don't want anyone to be misled on or about, particularly when it comes to uh, our public health. But I, I yeah, I, I, I'm very far removed from knowledge of something known as comidity and Pfizer and that sort of thing. So if you would, I would certainly more than appreciate it, and then we'll handle it there. Uh, okay, one of the things I did want to mention here in talking about uh, what the Supreme Court did today is reissue the same thing General Brnovich said, which was the same thing Brett Johnson said. Please, if you can, if you have the opportunity, go to the Supreme Court website, supremecourt.gov, and read the opinions. Uh, read at least, if you will, the uh, Gorsuch, uh, uh, the Gorsuch uh, um, concurrence in the first decision. I'm calling it the first decision, which uh, is the one that uh, saved all businesses with 100 employees or more from mandating a vaccine. What's interesting about this of its employees? What's interesting about this is exactly the thing I mentioned to Mark Burnovich, which is. If you think about what the Biden administration is celebrating on that second decision, the decision that affects the healthcare workers and the healthcare industry, think about what they have, what they are telling them. They are telling them because we now see that hospitals and authorities are saying if you test positive for COVID, if you test positive for COVID and are vaccinated, that is to say, if you have this darned thing, this darn disease, but you're vaccinated, its own problem, you can go to work. But, but, but if you have gotten over COVID three weeks ago, a month ago, two months ago, and you are unvaccinated, you cannot. Think about the asininity of that. Think about the insanity of that. Think about the public health of that. 
Think about the fact that the vaccine does not stop transmission and you are telling healthcare workers, healthcare workers, you can go back to work if you have COVID. So long as you're vaccinated, if you have a highly transmissible disease, how many times have we heard highly transmissible variant Omicron? But if you're vaccinated, you can go to work. But if you've had it, which gives you even more immunity and you're not vaccinated, you cannot. Now, aside from the imbecility of that order, edict, and and it's not a justification, that justice, let's call it justice, aside from that, Quickly tell me, quickly tell me, what did Andrew, uh, what did Governor Andrew Cuomo do wrong with with the old age homes and COVID patients? Was he wrong or was he not? Did he consign elderly to the dead to death or not by those policies? Well, it was a different variant, we may be told. Do you think we know everything we need to know? Or do you think we have been putting people in boxes based on what we want them to know? It's dangerous. There's the real Grateful Dead, isn't it? Well, I I suppose some Grateful Dead fans would say, no, that's their later later stuff. When did that come out? 86, 87, something like that. Touch of Grey, I think. Um. By the way, this question Bill proposed to me the other day that audience has been weighing out has a lot of ripples to it. What are the chances you've heard the best song you'll ever hear? Uh, That's the question. What are the chances you have already heard the best song you will ever hear? And uh, I I gave him my answer. I I think 95% plus certainty I have heard the best song I will ever hear. But in going back, I realized uh, something uh, a little – a little a, something that gave me pause about my answer before I found that song Southern Cross by Crosby Stills and Nash I had a song previous to that I had a song previous to that which was uh, Jay Ferguson's uh, Thunder Island um, and then it dawned on me before I had Jay Ferguson's Thunder Island I had a song from the same year 1978 which was uh, Life's Been Good by Joe Walsh as my favorite. So it has changed three times, uh, but not since 19, probably 88. That having been said, I was thinking, what is it about 1978? Was that just some great music year? And it turns out, yes, it was. I was looking at the top 100 in 1978. It's everything I love. Everything I love. So someday when Bill and I have a lot of time, we're just going to put together all bumper songs from 1978. Oh, my gosh. Um, God, it's there's some really good stuff there. Anyway, uh, probably uh, not what we uh, not what we were going to uh, to uh, spend a lot of time on. What I do want you to do is, however, read justice, particularly Justice Gorsuch's concurring opinion in uh, the Ohio versus Department of Labor case that came down today. It's a constitutional tour de force. It really is. And um, and 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 if you happen to be in social media debates or, you know, Facebook, Twitter, whatever, with friends about this, um, they, they and if they happen to pull the old card that this is what you get with right-wing justices. Remind them what I said in the first segment. Remind them of what I said in the first segment. 
well, if you don't like what the justices did in the first case because they were all conservative appointees, you can't be celebrating the second. You can't be celebrating the second case because that majority was made of two of the conservatives in the first case. You wouldn't have had your second decision without Roberts and Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh, you will recall, was the target of Chuck Schumer's verbal fusillade. We're coming for you, Gorsuch and Kavanaugh. You will in, you will reap the whirlwind. Remember that? That's how they perceived Kavanaugh. That's how they perceive all of us. All of us. And who are all of us? People who just have an R at the end of their name. People who just have an R at the end of their name. And think about naming two Supreme Court justices at a rally in front of the Supreme Court and telling them, we're coming for you. You will inherit the whirlwind if you don't do what we tell you. You'll pay the price. You will pay the price, is what Chuck Schumer said, in front of a rally in front of the Supreme Court. Now, he's the majority leader in the Senate. He is the majority leader in the United States Senate for the Democrats. The president in front of the White House says march peacefully. Not in front of the Congress, not in front of the House of Representatives, not in front of the Senate, but in front of his own house, the White House. People, some, not listening to him, not at his rally, break into the halls of the U.S. House of Representatives, and Donald Trump gets impeached by the House of Representatives for it. Think about those two things that we labor under, that we live under, that we work under, and that we have to suffer from. Think about those two things. Just for a moment. We sit here today and praise what the Supreme Court did in one of two cases, and we're all very relieved. A lot of corporations, I don't know if any of you work for corporations of 100 or more, but a lot of corporations, I've been seeing the emails and memos from people who do, were very concerned. A lot of these people were very concerned because this week they got, you know, they got memos that they were going to have to be vaccinated or start thinking about getting tested uh, next month. And I said, well, just wait, just wait. The Supreme Court's supposed to be handling this any day now. And I don't think it will be close. I don't think it will be close. There's a lot of argument from the left, particularly, about who should who should be listened to on the Supreme Court. There's a lot of argument from the left that Republican appointees to the Supreme Court don't understand the Constitution. The truth is exactly, I think, the opposite and the other way. But you hear this a lot from the left. Because of X, they shouldn't even be ruling on Y. Because of X, they shouldn't even have a say or a decision to be heard about Y or Z. You hear this about all kinds of things. You hear it particularly, we're talking, we were talking about the March for Life that's coming up this Saturday here in Arizona. You hear this particularly on issues that are about abortion. I don't even know why men have a right to opine on this. You will hear often, almost everywhere, in a pro-abortion or pro-choice setting. Almost everywhere you will hear that. 
to which I say the same thing I say about the two cases today. Be awfully careful. Be awfully careful. Because if you think men shouldn't have a say on this, then Roe versus Wade shouldn't be the law of the land. Because there ain't there weren't any women on that court in 1973 or 1972 when it was argued. And by the way, not really to our credit, not really at all to our credit, but let's point out as well that two of that radical right-wing reactionary Richard Nixon's justices gave us that decision. Think about that. Think about that when you go about dismissing out-of-hand opinions you don't like based on the party of the president that appointed or nominated that person to the Supreme Court. The other thing we have to do once you read the Gorsuch decision or concurrence, I should say, once you read the Gorsuch concurrence, is we really do have to have a longer talk and discussion about what the administrative state is. Think about what Joe Biden was trying to do here. If you'll give me a second, we'll come right back and I'll tell you it was predicted and condemned a priori by a lot of people and not just Americans and not just Republicans. Stay with me. We'll be right back. I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions. Trying to make me happy today or is this all random? <laughs> A little of your effort. Go ahead. Let it run. By the way, uh, Dr. John, a listener to this show, is just texting me. Uh, he's 99% sure that he's heard the best song he ever heard. And it was uh, Van Halen, 1978, also. Van, Van Halen, 1978. <laughs> That's great. All right. Um, the administrative state. I gave you Madison on it earlier. How about... Tocqueville. One forgets that it is above all in details that it is dangerous to enslave men. For myself, I would be brought to believe freedom less necessary in great things than in lesser ones if I thought that one could ever be assured of the one without possessing the other. In vain you will charge these same citizens whom you have rendered so dependent on central power with choosing the representatives of this power from time to time, that the use of their free will, so important but so brief and rare, will not prevent them from losing little by little the faculty of thinking, feeling, and acting by themselves, and thus from gradually falling below the level of humanity. I add that they will soon become incapable of exercising the great unique privilege that remains to them. If one must conduct small affairs in which simple good sense can suffice, they determine that citizens are incapable of it. If it is a question of the government of the whole state, they entrust immense prerogatives to these citizens. They make them alternately the playthings of the sovereign and its masters, more than kings and less than men. 
It is, in fact, difficult to conceive how men who have entirely renounced the habit of directing themselves could succeed at choosing well those who will lead them, and one will not make anyone believe that a liberal, energetic, and wise government can ever issue from the suffrage of a people of servants. Think about Tina's call earlier. Think about Tina's call earlier. When the healthcare industry did not push back by filing briefs in the Supreme Court against the mandate, they were saying, in Tina's bumper sticker creation, govern me more, govern me harder. Think about that. Think about that. No wise government can ever issue from the suffrage of a people of servants. Not suffering, suffrage, vote. He's talking about the vote. No wise government can ever issue from the vote of a people of servants. Abhor, oppose, and fight all kinds of slavery every single day. That wouldn't have had to have been an invocation in years past. To save this country, it must be won today. I'm Seth. We'll be right back.